You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe who helps people who feel far from God to know Jesus, cultivate freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We're also a diverse tribe who welcomes everyone from bikers to bankers, PhDs to GEDs, every age, race, and walk of life. So whether you're a longtime Christ follower or a spiritual investigator, we hope you're encouraged through our content. Enjoy today's teaching. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? I am Sergeant Davenport of the 3rd Infantry Regiment, United States Army, Guard of Honor, Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. This ceremony that you are about to witness is the changing of the guard. In keeping with the dignity of this ceremony, it is requested that everyone remain silent and standing. Thank you. Has anyone been to the tomb of the unknown soldier? See your hand? Yeah, a bunch of us. You know, like me, it's captivating when you see a place like that where this honor guard is honoring the unknown soldiers that died at war protecting our country. The tomb represents those soldiers that were killed in battle and were unrecognizable, or oftentimes these soldiers had to be buried in mass graves or mass tombs because of the complexities of war. See, this is the tomb of the unknown soldier, and no doubt it is perhaps the most profound example of honor I've ever seen before in my life. And the honor guard known as sentinels that do what you see on screen, that guard the tomb and conduct the changing of the guards, they commit two years of their lives to work at the tomb. They live in barracks that are underneath the tomb. They cannot drink any alcohol or uh, drink any alcohol while they're on duty or off duty for the rest of their lives. They can't say curse words in public for the rest of their lives. They cannot disgrace the uniform or the tomb. Their uniforms and weapons are meticulously inspected. In fact, as you can see on screen, they, they actually relish the chance to continue to guard the tomb even during a snowstorm or a rainstorm. Why do they go through all this? Because they're passionate about honor. They're passionate about honor. And uh, if you've served in the armed forces, you perhaps understand honor better than most of us. Anybody here serve in the armed forces? Anybody? Anybody? Would Would you guys stand up for us? Would you allow us to honor you today for your service? Thank you guys. Thank you all for what you've done to serve our country. We honor you here. Thank you. And as the rest of us, as we all consider honor today, I want to take you to a passage from the New Testament. It's 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13. This is where we're told, Peter says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should, read this next part, put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. I'm going to come back to that in just a minute. 
It says, to live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. And look at the last part. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. And so this passage tells us to honor the emperor, kind of like our president. It says to honor our governors, and it also says to honor those who enforce the law in our land. That would be like our law enforcement. And so if you're law enforcement here, we want to honor you as well today. We thank you for serving our city. And so the first idea about honor I want to show you is that we want to honor elected officials and law enforcement. Now, nobody in the whole place is endorsing bad actors or those few that do things that we would all disagree with. No doubt some of you here have had bad experiences with you know, elected officials. Maybe some of you have had bad experiences with law enforcement, but we want to affirm and encourage and honor those that actually love people and want to serve people. I know uh, people in elected positions and people who are law enforcement that really do want to help, really do want to protect, really do want to serve, you know, the world. And so we honor that. And here, Peter says, even honor those that aren't so great. Um, you know, a lot of scholars believe that the, the emperor that Peter was talking about here was Emperor Nero. Nero was not such a great guy. In fact, uh, Nero murdered his own mother. He uh, actually murdered uh, his own stepsister. He uh, raped and murdered his own stepbrother. He kicked his pregnant wife to death. He burned part of the city of Rome, and then he blamed the fire on the Christians the same Christians that he had hung in his gardens and burned them and used them as human torches to light up his gardens at night. And so if you're a Christ follower in that day and that's your emperor and you're reading this and you're like, Peter, why would you tell us to honor that guy? How could we honor that guy? Well, here's something I want you to understand about honor. Is that sometimes someone's good and we can easily honor them and sometimes someone's not so good but honor is a form of resistance. See, the Christ followers honored the emperor and by their honor, like Peter said, they put to silence the ignorance of foolish people like Nero. The people, the populace did not believe Nero's narrative about the Christ followers setting the Rome fires because they knew how dishonorable he was and they knew how honorable the Christians were, thus their honor was a form of resistance to sway the populace towards following Jesus. And can I ask you, do you think that the people in our culture want to follow Jesus and know more about him because of our honor? Or do we tend to think that we can turn people toward Jesus because of our memes online? You ever meet someone that's like, you know, I saw that Christian meme and it just changed my whole worldview. I mean, I just changed my whole life from that meme, right? But I think that a lot of Christ followers are getting it wrong when they think we can change people's hearts through these internet memes. But really what changes people's hearts is honor, see? Now, no doubt there are going to be elected officials and people that we disagree with. How do you honor the office of president and governor when you don't agree with some of the behaviors or some of the policies and the like. Well, here's what we can do. You know, we, we can acknowledge that, hey, we'll honor the office, but we don't, you know, uh, throw stones at people. And, and by the way, 
I know I just angered some people when I said we're supposed to honor like our president, who a lot of you don't like. Or to, I know I anger some people when I say honor our Texas governor that the other half of you don't like. And you know at City Tribe, we don't tell people how to vote, do we? Um, and we, you know, we're for the left wing, we're for the right wing, we're for the whole bird around here, right on? But look, we, we want to do as Peter said and honor the office um, even if we disagree with the behaviors. You can, here's how you can do it. You can vote against people whose policies you disagree with without talking trash about them. You can speak out boldly about injustice without insulting the person in office. We can hold leaders accountable without petty personal attacks. And we can also acknowledge when leadership gets it right, you know? Even if it's a leader that's outside of our political party. You see, for a lot of people, politics is the new religion. You've seen this. Where people's political affiliation is really their primary allegiance over everything else. But what you, under, you have to understand, if you're going to follow Jesus, Jesus has to be your number one allegiance. The early Christ followers would not say Caesar is Lord. They would only say that Jesus is Lord. Now, let me show you another passage about honor. And this is 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. It says, the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor. And I like this next part, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. Man, that's, that's one of the most profound verses in the Bible from my perspective. And you can see why that's kind of a self-serving verse for me, right? I mean, I, of course, you know, I want church leaders to be honored. And this is the second thought I want to show you about, you know, honor today is that we're supposed to honor church leaders. And it says here with double honor. And uh, we have to be careful there though, right? Because all of our staff members here know that we're imperfect people. And we make mistakes just like everyone else. And so we're real careful about demanding honor around here at the church. And many times I've told you guys about the mistakes and the sins, embarrassing sins of my past, which leads me towards not feeling like I'm worthy of very much honor. And in addition to that, all of us have seen in our news feeds all these scandals of church leaders, you know, doing stuff that they shouldn't be doing. And that's why I would agree with uh, an organizational psychologist, Adam Grant. He says, I believe that the honor of leadership should not be given to people who crave authority or seek attention. What if we reserve power for individuals who are daunted by the weight of the role, but guided by a sense of responsibility to serve? So I would agree that and I would tell you that us, us church leaders probably don't need to be put on too much of a pedestal and we need to have accountability structures in place. But is the answer to church problems dishonoring church leaders? I don't think that's the answer, is it? You know, we just went through a series of Ephesians where we learn, all of us, that we, we can step up to our identities. When we learn our identities in Christ, it motivates us to want to step up to who we are in Christ. And I think the same is true of church leaders, is that if we're honored, then it makes us want to step up to um, our identities as leaders and our responsibilities. And I got to thank you guys, because there's churches down the street that are giving their pastors a lot of trouble, but you guys, by and large, are pretty nice to me. And I thank you for your kindness to me and your encouragement to me. And I got an honor recently from one of my spiritual sons here in the church. He sent me a text message, and he thanked me for the opportunity for him to give his first sermon 
his first talk at City Youth. And that spiritual son, he's Thomas. And Thomas gave his talk at City Youth. And in his sermon, he honored his spiritual daughter, Kamiah. And that moved my heart. And when I got his text message, you know, I'd been going through some hard things. And sometimes pastors get discouraged, right? When you go through hard things and, you know, the, the, the minority people, you know, some of the minority, a small amount of people will cause trouble or whatever. And um, when I got his text message honoring me, it gave me the energy that I need to keep going, to keep getting through, to keep doing this. And then I saw the impact that he's making on Kamaya and it warmed my heart as well. And there were a lot of tears in City Youth that night because honor resonates with students. Students see through our adult bull sometimes and they see honor when it's given and it resonates. It's contagious, isn't it? Does anybody want to be in an environment of dishonor where everybody's, you know, at each other's throats all the time? I think what we all want is what God's telling us to do is an environment, a church, a city, a state, and a country where we honor each other. How's dishonor working for our country right now? It's not working too well, is it? And so we want to be a place, a people of honor. And Paul tells us in Romans 12, 10, we're to outdo one another in showing honor. And so nobody's going to beat me at showing honor. And so, Thomas, I see you over there. You honored me earlier. Why don't you stand up, Thomas? I want to give Thomas some honor. Will you guys give some honor like that? Yeah, pretty good, dude. And I love that dude. But I tell you, I'm not done giving honor because remember that 1 Timothy 5 tells us to honor church leaders. Now, I get enough honor, but I want to give some honor to our church staff because I see the stuff that they do every week and the stuff that they grind through and do uh, every week to serve people. And so I want to give some honor to Pastor Joe, who leads our tribe leaders and helps them and serves them. And he pastors and shepherds many people in hospitals all over the city. And I want to give some honor to my wife, Jeannie, who leads our Cultivate Ministries that helps people get through hurts, habits, and hangups. And then I want to honor Sadie, who is sitting right back there somewhere at the booth. And Sadie is responsible for creating all of these services every weekend. Every visual you see, every picture you see up here, she had something to do with created. And then there's Josiah, who runs a lot of the equipment back there. And, you know, he does stuff. I have no idea what he's doing back there, but it's something on a computer. And he's doing all kinds of stuff to create and execute these services. Guy in college is just a skill guy, really sharp guy. And then there's our executive pastor, Jake Krifels. And the reason that we have great music up here every week, Jake may be in the background a lot of times and you don't see him, but he's the one that architected and created every musician that's up here. He recruited and empowered every musician that you see on this stage. And the reason that you guys enjoy the great music that you do in a building that Jake helped to create and renovate here. It's because of a guy that you don't you don't always see him, but that's Jake Greg was just sitting right over there with his awesome wife right there, right on. And so hold your applause to the end, please, okay? You're, you're going to have your chance. Just chill. But Jake brought in Gideon. And Gideon's that goofy, awesome guy that's always playing that red, you know, Nord for the Lord, you know, keyboard there. And uh, But Gideon has the voice of an angel, but you know, that he didn't care about drawing attention to himself because Gideon's heart is to point people 
towards the Lord as he worships. And then we got a new staff member, Allie Garcia, and you see Allie out there, and she's been a faithful Eagle volunteer around here for many years, and now she's on our church staff. She left a great corporate job to come here and work with us and organize details behind the scenes and everything you see on social media. Now she's responsible for that. And then there's Priscilla, who also has been a faithful Eagle volunteer around here for many years, and now she's come on our church staff to organize things and administrate things behind the scenes. Then there's Bernadette, who's leading our kids' ministry right now in Kid City, and it's an awesome ministry to invest in children. And one of the things that I love about Bernadette is not just about the mass of children for her, it's about individual kids that she literally goes outside the church building to their homes to serve and love them and their parents and grandparents. And so I'm grateful for Bernadette. And I'm also grateful for Aaron Cervantes, who is now leading our student ministries. Aaron's sitting right down there with his wife, Holly, and they're doing a super awesome job with our students on Wednesday nights where students are not just hearing the word of God, but they're learning it so they can speak it and quote it from memory. In addition to that, they're inviting friends to come and hear about Jesus. In addition to that, Aaron is empowering like our leaders to be in, like, in these very deep relationships. It's all about relationships with students, and he's leading a great, awesome group of volunteers that are like pastor shepherds to our students. And so would you guys join me in honoring these folks that are worthy of double honor for all the awesome things that they're doing. Thank you guys for that. And here's what I've learned is that honor is the currency of heaven. Honor is the currency of heaven. Would you say that with me out loud when I point to you, whether you're watching online or here in the room? Ready? Here we go. Honor is the currency of heaven. And I got that little slogan from my friend Mark Roy, who was teaching here last week, because a few years ago, we were doing this series on the generations, right? You know, all the different generations from, you know, young to old, you know, alpha generation to baby boomers, X, millennials, all of it, right? Well, we were doing this generation series, and one of the first weeks of the series, we were talking about what younger generations wish older generations knew. And the way we got at that service was we sent out these surveys to all of our students and we asked the students, like middle and high school students, what do you wish that older people knew about your reality? And you know what it boiled down to? It boiled down to kids wanting honor from adults. They wanted honor. They wanted the honor of the adults to believe they can do it. Kids want us to believe in them that they can do it. That's why our kids are not the church of the future. They're the church of right now. They're serving all kinds of different capacities all throughout our church. Now, that was what younger people wish the older people knew. Then we did another week in that series called What Older People Wish Younger Ones Knew. And you know how we knew the cutoff for the older and the younger is that everybody who's my age and younger is considered young. That's just the way it works. And if you're older than me, you're old. That's kind of the way that it works. So we ask all these older people, you know, way older than me, um, you know, what, what do you wish that younger people knew? And we got some really good feedback. And what I heard over and over and over again is that older people wanted to tell the younger ones, look, I know we live in a world where people are so disrespectful to each other. But you can get ahead 
in your work relationships, in your school relationships, and at home, if you can learn to honor other people. It all comes down to honor because honor is the currency of heaven. And it was so important that Jesus wanted to impart and teach honor lessons to his disciples. Let me show you when Jesus took his disciples, young disciples, he took them to his hometown where he grew up, to Nazareth. And we'll pick up the story in Mark chapter 6, verse 4. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is what? He's honored everywhere except in his own hometown when he goes home for Christmas, right? He's honored everywhere except his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. And the third idea about honor I want to show you is this, that unbelief and dishonor often go together. Unbelief and dishonor oftentimes are two bad cousins that get together and cause a lot of trouble. And when in, in environments where there's dishonor and there's unbelief, it limits kingdom outcomes. See, Jesus couldn't do as many miracles in Nazareth because there was dishonor and there was unbelief. See, and if you want to experience the miraculous power of God working in and through your life, learn faith, belief, and honor because honor impacts kingdom outcomes. And we see this all throughout the Bible. In fact, if you go back to the early parts of the Bible, there's this book called Leviticus that nobody ever reads, okay? But in Leviticus chapter 19, I want to show you something in verse 32. It says, you shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man, and you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. It says there, honor that old guy who has gray hair or that older lady with gray hair. Some of you are ashamed of your gray hair, but the Bible says in Proverbs, it's like a crown of honor. Look, people are paying a lot of money for those highlights, man. Just rock them, man. You should be honored for the gray hair in your beards and the gray hair on your heads. But it doesn't end there. Um, we see the benefits of honor in Ephesians. And this is a passage that many of our city youth students have learned to quote from memory now. And it's Ephesians chapter six, verses one through three, where it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. And what's that next word? Honor your father and mother. And this is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with who? With you. When you learn honor, it helps life to go better for you, not just the person that you're trying to honor. And then the rest of the verse says it, you'll live long in the land, right? Some of you have, you know, parents that you're going to live longer if you honor them, right? And uh, we want to honor those folks. And it's not just for your parents' benefit or the older person's benefit, but it's for your benefit to learn honor. Honor builds up and values those who are older. Respect is earned, but honor can be given, can't it? And younger generations, if you'll honor your managers at work, they're more apt to give you authority that you seek. And those of you that are managers at work, if you want to lead followers, just give out tasks, just delegate tasks. But if you want to lead leaders, delegate authority, see? So 
Honor is the currency of heaven. And the last facet of honor I want to submit to you today is number four, and that is honor God with your youth. Honor God with your youth. Whatever youth you have left, honor God with that youth. When I was a much younger man in my early 20s, I was really drawn to this one passage in Ecclesiastes. It made a big impact on me where Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse one, he says, don't let the excitement cause you to forget your creator. Honor him in your youth before you grow old and no longer enjoy living here. And so if you read the rest of that text, you'd say, hey, it says, honor God in your youth before your eyes get dim, your arms and your legs tremble, your teeth fall out, your voice gets quivery, you lose your sex drive, and then you die. Okay, that's encouraging, isn't it? And so I read that verse and I'm like, man, I want to honor God before my eyes grow dim and my arms and legs get quivery and I lose my voice and my teeth fall out and you know, some of the other stuff in that passage that I don't want it, that's too embarrassing to talk about, right? So I wanted to learn this stuff and honor God with my youth. And I've, look, I've watched men and women throughout my lifetime who were very strong. And no matter how in shape and fit you are now, you're going to go soft someday. Age is coming for you. No matter how good looking you are right now, man, you hot, I know. But that's going to change. No amount of exercise, no amount of plastic surgery is going to keep age from coming for you. Look, no matter how intelligent and smart and quick you are, you will grow dim. It's coming for you. It's coming for all of us. All of us will be weakened someday. And that's why Solomon said in the next verse, I want to show you, it's Ecclesiastes 11.9. Young man, it's wonderful to be young. Enjoy every minute of it. Do everything you want to do. Take it all in. But remember, you must give an account to God. And so Solomon encourages us in two ways in this passage. The first thing he says when you're young, take it all in. Take a risk. Take that risk while you're young. Start that business. Experience travel in the world. While you're young, do it. When I was a youth pastor, I used to love to encourage kids to take risks. So I took this couple of kids on this ride they used to have it at Fiesta, Texas. Some of you may remember it. It was called the Screaming Sky Coaster. Does anybody remember that from back in the day? Okay, it's that big swing. And here's the way the Screaming Sky Coaster worked. There was a harness for three people. So you get in there and one guy on the end, which is me, pulls the ripcord. When you get up there, you pull a ripcord and that makes you start falling so you'll swing. And there's a guy at the bottom, he's on a megaphone and he'll say, one, two, three, fly. And when he says fly, you pull the ripcord and that's when you start to fall and you swing. So I went with these two kids and I got on the end and then we put Heather in the middle and then Bryce was on the other end and he was a brave young man and we get in the harness and they start cranking us up right and you can start to feel the wind in your hair and you can start to see from my, we're like halfway up and I swear I can see him keeping Austin weird right up there right up the road man and then they keep cranking us up and I'm telling you when we got to the 180 feet top of that thing I, I could swear I can see people crossing the border you know down in Mexico right on it was like 
way up there. And so I wanted to make it exciting for the kids. And you know the drill. The guy on the bottom gets on the megaphone. He's going to say, one, two, three, fly. And when he says fly, my job is to pull the ripcord so we'll start falling. But I want it to be more exciting than that. And so we all said one, and I, I pulled the cord and said, oh my goodness, something's gone wrong. And we start falling, right? And they're just screaming. And you ever scream so hard you can't scream anymore? You're like, ah! And when I got down, those kids were so mad at me. You know, like Heather, she clawed into my eye. I still had the scars from her Lee Press-On nails, dude. I mean, it's just like the girl was worked up about this. See, but take it all in, younger people. Go on the adventure. Experience it all. But look at the second part. But remember, you'll give an account to God. Don't waste this time when you're taking it all in because God is the greatest thrill. Stepping out in faith and following him and taking those risks, God calls for that faith, and it is a great reward. It's thrilling. It's an adventure, and he wants you to do that for him. But I've met far too many students over the years. Like in middle school, I've heard kids say, you know, Middle school's awkward, and I'll just blow off God and following hard after God until I get into high school, you know? Because after all, middle school's cool, and high school, they're lame, right? Then they get into high school. It's like, no, you know, I don't want to follow hard after God. I, want to, I don't want to seek God now because I'm just not so sure about all that. I'll wait until I'm out of high school when, you know, an adult, because adults are lame, right? And then you get into your 20s, and you're like, no, um, I'm going to college now, or I'm starting my career now, and I don't want to follow after God. I'll wait till I'm like in my 30s and really lame, or 40s or something like that to follow God. And then you get in your 30s, and you're establishing perhaps your career, and you're working hard, and maybe you're starting a family, and you're buying that little house in the suburbs, you know, for your 2.5 kids and a dog or something like that. And then you're like, I'll, I'll, I'm too busy for God right now. I'll put that off until I'm like in my 40s or my 50s. And then you get in your 40s or your 50s and you do work hard and you've earned a lot by that time. And you're like, I'll put off God until I'm retired and I'm really old and lame and useless, you know, because right now I deserve every Sunday at the lake, man, because I work so hard. And then you get into the later years of your life and you realize you've wasted the only commodity you can't get back. It's time. It's time. You can't get it back. Enjoy the faith adventure walking with Jesus when you're young. Remember your creators in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near. Well, you will say, I have no delight in them. Don't waste your life. Remember what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6 too. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. You know, I sat with one of my life heroes when he was dying of cancer. It's my father-in-law, Dr. James Sammons. And as I sat there with him, I'd already watched, I called him Pop. I'd already watched my wife, Jeannie, his daughter, tell him how much she's going to miss him. 
She's like, Dad, I don't want you to go. And he's like, honey, I'm going to be with the Lord. And then I'd already watched my kids, each one go into that dimly lit room where he was in the process of dying. And they called him Papa. And I remember them saying, goodbye, Papa. I love you, Papa. Goodbye, Papa. I mean, it landed on them the weight of the situation. And they had to be taken out. And I was there alone with him. And I read to him something I call a living eulogy. Now, most people read the eulogy at the funeral, but there were some things that I wanted Pop to know before he went on to heaven. And so I typed these things out. And I was having a hard time keeping my composure, you know, because the tears were coming down and he put his gentle hand on top of mine and held it so I could make it through. And I said, Pop, in the dark times, you were a picture of God's grace and love to me when I made significant mistakes in this life. And Pop, my kids have great memories of going to the beach and playing in the sand and catching crabs because you because of you. My kids have great memories of going to incredible pizza and getting all those tokens so they could play games because of you. You gave me tools to do work projects, and I never used them until we started living in a historic home and had to do some renovations on our historic home. And one of my favorite conversation pieces in our historic home is this old antique candlestick phone Pop, that you help to rewire to turn it into a lamp. I'll never sell it. It's one of my prized possessions because of the gentle hands that help to wire it and create it. I went on to tell him, here are the ways, Pop, that I hope to follow into your footsteps. You've walked with God and studied his word throughout your entire adult life ever since I've known you. Pop, you've served God through your local church your entire life. You were present for your family to a fault. Even when facing the end of this life, you were working out the details of your own burial and funeral so your family wouldn't have to. You lived beneath your financial means in order to be generous to God's kingdom causes. You're one of the most intelligent men I've ever known, Pop but you continue to read, listen, and learn. You're all I could have asked for in a father-in-law and so much more. Enjoy your rewards in heaven. Jesus is the great reward, Pop, and he longs for you. And I'm so glad I read him that because two days later, he passed away. And in his memorial service, I gave people the opportunity to stand up and talk about what Dr. Sammons had meant to them. And we could have stayed there for days listening to people's stories of how he had loved people in tangible ways, served people. James Sammons honored God with his youth, his middle age, and in his last days. In fact, when he passed on to heaven, his light burned all the brighter. Because honor is the currency of heaven. Let's bow for prayer. And as we bow before God, 
perhaps you're sensing a loving presence drawing you to God and you've never had a relationship with God. And it's time for you to start honoring him with your life. If that describes you and you want to talk to God right now in your own heart and mind, just tell him something like this to start your relationship with him. Just say, look, God, I confess I've sinned. And God, I choose to honor you by believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. He was my substitute. God, I welcome you into my life. And I believe, God, that you rose Jesus from the dead to give me a whole new life adventure. So welcome into my heart and life. And the next prayer is for those of us that have known him for some time, some a short time, some a long time. And we're praying things like this, God, I want to be a man. I want to be a woman of honor. I want to honor my family. I want to honor my biological family and my spiritual family. I want to be a person of honor because I know it's currency in your kingdom. And I want to bring your kingdom to the reality of earth through honor. And we pray all these things. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, everyone said, amen. Amen. Well, as we wrap up today, there are just a couple of things I want to remind you about. One is that we're going to have child dedications coming up on the 23rd of October, and then we're going to have baptisms coming up on the 30th of October. Now, some of you have been baptized as infants, and we don't do infant baptism here. We wait to baptize people when it's your choice. Because how many of you known someone that, sure, their parents want them to be godly and baptize them as a little baby, but they grew up and didn't, you know, follow God or whatever, right? So we baptize people after you've chosen to believe. So if you've chosen to believe, sign up to be baptized on October the 30th. Now, if you want to dedicate yourself to raise your kids in the ways of God and dedicate your kids to God to give them the best opportunity to choose Jesus someday for themselves, that's why we have child dedications. That's going to be on the 23rd. You can sign up for both of those things on our website. Make sure and take care of that before you leave today. And then the last thing I want to remind you about is that the why of our offering. We don't take up offerings so we can just build some big church or something, but we take up offerings so we can invest resources in people. When you see children dedicated here, when you see people baptized right here in this theater, that's what it's all about, right? And you guys are a generous group of people that love to invest in the lives, changed lives of people coming to faith in Jesus, being baptized, being dedicated to the Lord. So I so thank you for your generosity and financial stewardship here. There's one, four different ways that you can give your tithes and offerings. Uh, that's, you know, you can mail it, text to tithe, go to the giving stations, or you can just get on your phone or mobile device and go to our website and take care of it that way. So let's stand up together before you guys worship through your financial stewardship and receive these words of benediction over you. If you're with your crew, put an arm around someone. If you want, put out a hand in position, receive. And dear brothers and sisters, walk from this place as bright lights in a dark world, a world that dishonors others. But may you be the light of honor because honor is the currency 
of heaven. You guys have an amazing week and we'll see you next time. Peace. We're glad you were a part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check the City Tribe YouTube channel, iTunes, SoundCloud, Instagram, Facebook, or our website, citytribe.church. May you go from this podcast knowing that you are loved.